welcome to the Web Policy Talk podcast recorded live at the Impact and Policy Research Institute Impri New Delhi Yes yes Namaste and good afternoon everyone. I am Ritika Gupta, Assistant Director at IMFRI, Impact and Policy Research Institute, Prabha Vivamuti, Anusandhan Sansthan, Nagindi. Extend my heartiest welcome to you all to IMFRI hashtag Web Policy Talk. Today we are here for a special talk as part of the series, The State of Statistics, hashtag the Data Discourses on Evaluating Indian Macroeconomic Statistical Systems, Data, Trends, Challenges for Evidence, and Impact Amid COVID-19. The speaker for today is Dr. J. Dennis Rajkumar. Our, we are also being joined by eminent panelists, um, Professor Sangamitra Bandopadhyay and Dr. Tajishwari Singh Gupta. I would now like to request Dr. Arjun Kumar, who is Director at M3, to <coughs> introduce the program and our speaker for today. राजकुमार a uh, director at uh, epw research foundation mumbai so uh, let me just briefly give a brief bio of sir and uh, sir has received phd in economics and mphil in applied economics from jawaharlal nehru university jnu new delhi uh, through center for development studies trivandrum uh, sir was also charles wallis india trust visiting research fellow at the management school the university of edinburgh uh, in united kingdom in 2005 Uh, sir's research interests include applied macroeconomics applied financial economics and studies of corporate sector in india and sir has published several research papers uh, papers articles and sir also heads the epw uh, uh, <clears throat> epw research series fits data sets also which also compiles all the macroeconomic data at one portal which is really usable especially for the research purposes and we are also so much thankful today Uh, that we also have discussions uh, as Professor Sangamitra Bandopadhyay, ma'am, who is director at uh, Indian Statistical Institute, Kolkata, and Dr. Rajeshwari Singh Gupta, ma'am, who is assistant professor of economics at Indira Gandhi Institute of Development and Research, IGDIR, Mumbai. We are also joined by Selja, ma'am, uh, who is DG at uh, NSO, National Statistical Office, at the Ministry of Statistics and Program Implementation. I'm sure, ma'am, will also add few things. And uh, we are also joined as an audience. Uh, Uh, P.C. Mohan sir was also the acting uh, chairperson of National Statistical Commission, and sir is also sick. But we are so thankful for sir's guidance also to joining for this very special lecture. So uh, now I invite uh, Dennis sir to give his lecture, which sir will give for around a half an hour. Then we will have our discussion after that to learn more on the subject and see how things are changing in this uh, COVID world. So Dennis sir, over to you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Sir, your your video is not coming on. 
Okay, can you hear me now? We can hear you. Okay. But somehow your video is not coming. Now? The screen is coming. Screen is coming. Okay. Yes. Yes, both are working now. So okay. you can go. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, yes. Dr. Arjun, uh, for the introduction and also for uh, inviting me to talk on this uh, very topical topic, macroeconomic statistical systems. Um, I must confess that uh, given the uh, broad ideas implied in the topic itself, uh, it's a big challenging task for us to you know, uh, define uh, various criteria to evaluate Indian macroeconomic statistical systems. So uh, what I have done uh, is I have tried to, um, uh, you know, venture into this particular aspect uh, by having certain criteria and applying these criteria on uh, uh, four major um, um, uh, sources of macroeconomic data. One is uh, GDP related uh, releases. Second one is uh, index of uh, um, industrial production, consumer price index and wholesale price index. Then we will see what actually, uh, what is the general thread that we can have um, after having gone through uh, all the press releases uh, that I had come across ever since uh, the announcement of lockdown, um, happened sometimes towards the end of March. So it is based on uh, various press releases. I am trying to uh, bring out, uh, develop this particular theme. And um, what I had noticed at the outset only, I must actually uh, state uh, what, is, what would be the running theme, whether the statistical system is robust to uh, face the challenges, which is unprecedented and unparalleled in history, Second one is that, uh, which is uh, something that people did not expect to happen overnight. Now, if, uh, uh, if you consider any statistical system uh, to be robust, then it should uh, ensure continuity and uh, also uh, have uh, the system of collection of statistics uninterrupted. So, um, uh, Keeping these criteria in mind, uh, I had looked at the uh, press releases from National Statistics Office, as well as from the Office, uh, office of uh, Economic Advisors, uh, Ministry of Industry and uh, Commerce, who brings out uh, WPA. Um, I have brought up uh, certain key features of these press releases, and uh, out of this, we'll try to make a story of uh, story. So uh, as we uh, know that uh, this COVID-19, uh, though people were talking about sometimes in December 2019, in India, uh, we began to feel the impact of it only uh, when the government announced the lockdown uh, from 19th March uh, 2020. It had impacted the economic activities, no doubt about it, not only nearer home, but also at the global level. But more importantly, given our uh, central theme, it impacted the collection of statistics. Now, 
uh, we know that the Indian statistical system is a very powerful one. And uh, this uses enormous amount of administrative records and reports to generate estimates, both at the national level and at the state level. And supplementing all these administrative records and reports, they also uh, lay on sample surveys uh, initiated by them and several other lead indicators as well. Now, we uh, in our um, uh, system of macroeconomic, you'll find um, macroeconomic database, you'll find there are multiple indices uh, constructed by National Statistics Office uh, that has got high frequency data. For instance, when we talk about most of these uh, indices like IAPCP, they have the uh, monthly frequency and the GDP, uh, we have got uh, quarterly, right? Uh, of late, we are in fact talking about um, this uh, employment data also, which is being generated uh, quarter-wise, right? Uh, under the uh, theme of uh, no PLFS, right? So we are talking, we are boasting of a very powerful statistical system in our country. Um, each time uh, our statistical authorities uh, makes revision, both in the methodology as well as source of data and uh, rebases the estimates to a new year, you'll find a lot of comments where comments are being made. Now these comments are uh, critical sometimes, but it helps to improve the uh, statistical system per se. Uh, we are not getting into the methodology or source of data, rather uh, what we, uh, what I used to confine my presentation to is um, how the statistical system took cognizance of the emerging situations and responded to the major challenges arising from uh, COVID-19 induced lockdown. Um, then uh, I'm actually arguing that a sound statistical system should be able to generate estimates and indices uh, and release them timely, uh, revise them as per the revision policy and release them as per the uh, data release policy. Now, the question is what has been the experience during the last one year or so? Why we are taking last one year or so? That's because counting from uh, end of May, March, we have got roughly about 14 months. So, the, so I, have, I am relying on the press releases of last uh, 12, uh, one year or so. Um, second, uh, I would also say that uh, See, uh, whenever we built up uh, provisional estimates, then we may rely on uh, response rate, which is on the lower side. But uh, whenever, as we actually move into uh, T plus one uh, time, you'll find that uh, data availability improves and the response rate improves. So the question is, uh, during this particular period, whatever provisional estimates we have done with respect to several major indicators, uh, they had undergone major, uh, uh, they have undergone uh, revisions. Now, what has been the scale of revision? Is it uh, of a higher order uh, that uh, raises questions about, uh, you know, the way we built up the provisional estimates itself, right? That is another question I am posing here. So, uh, since we know that uh, National, uh, National Statistical Office brings out uh, several, uh, generates a multiplicity of data. I'm actually focusing on only uh, four important uh, uh, press releases 
of course uh, one of these releases is not brought out by nso rather it is by the ministry of commerce and industry that is gdp iap cpa and wpa as i said now moving on to uh, first aspect that is gdp related what was the challenge that was foreseen so uh, uh, one of the press releases of nso clearly had that, uh, uh, recognized that the restrictions had imposed not only um, uh, uh, dis uh, had disrupted not only economic activities but also uh, the movements of people from march uh, 19th so once when uh, it impacts the economic activities it follows very clearly that the uh, transactions taking place at the marketplace will be disrupted and therefore uh, this uh, intelligence whatever we collect based on the market transactions would also be impacted and to that extent the quality of data as well second one is that um, the movement of people were also uh, disrupted that means uh, there are uh, some uh, uh, series of data like cpa right wpa uh, which we uh, collect based on the field visits by the uh, experienced people of the field divisions of nso now due to this, uh, this uh, restrictions on the movement of people we find that uh, field visits were also disrupted that means uh, it is not about the quality rather the flow of information were also disrupted uh, but added to this uh, particularly when we talk about uh, gdp is uh, is that uh, you know, as we know that uh, uh, for estimating GDP, GDP, we rely uh, quite a lot on the uh, statutory uh, filings uh, by various institutions, like for instance, uh, corporate uh, filing of their quarterly returns, etc. Now, what has happened during this lockdown period is uh, that timelines for submitting the requisite uh, financial statements by various institutions had been extended either by the regulatory authority or government and uh, this again uh, brought a, a hardship on the uh, source of data so therefore what was the way out uh, if you look at uh, the press release dated 31st august uh, 2020 of nso you'll find that uh, it states very clearly that uh, they had to proceed with the estimates based on the available data. Second one is that uh, wherever they could not get the data uh, from the regular sources, then they had to actually look at uh, several other alternatives like GST and more importantly, interactions with professional bodies. But they also say very clearly that uh, this kind of uh, building, uh, you know, reliance was uh, minimum right was clearly limited so therefore uh, uh, what we see here is uh, lockdown had uh, uh, dramatic effects on the uh, quality of information availability of information and the flow of the information now what has been the response of uh, cso it will be uh, it has it has been sector specific sometimes sometimes it had been indices specific but whatever may be, whether it is sector specific or indices specific, we know that uh, uh, some of these indices are benchmarks and obviously they have their own implications for uh, GDP estimates. Now, uh, 
See, as we know that uh, GDP later releases, uh, they fall under broadly three uh, uh, categories. One is quarterly estimates. We are talking about April, June, July, September, October, December, and January, uh, March, four quarters. Then we are talking about advanced estimates. Uh, the, here again, we have got two types of advanced estimates. One is first advanced estimates, which primarily relies on first seven months data of uh, benchmark indicators. Second uh, advanced estimates, which is normally released uh, by the end of um, February. This relies on nine months data and also uh, revised estimates from the budget. Then we are talking about uh, the last three categories, that is uh, first, second, and third revised estimates which relies on industry-wise or institution-wise institution -wise detailed information. Now, during this COVID period, what has happened is, uh, as we'll be seeing, it has impacted uh, quarterly estimates plus advanced estimates. We also know that in between advanced estimates and uh, this revised first, second, third revised estimates, there is also something known as provisional estimates. So as you can see here, during this uh, last one year period, what are the major uh, releases of GDP that was uh, impacted by uh, COVID lockdown? So we find that uh, the fourth quarter uh, uh, and provisional estimates for 2019-20, fourth quarter covering Jan-March. Now, the release date was 29th May 2020, and it says very clearly that the flow of information, though the economic activities pertaining to this particular period may not have been seriously impacted due to lockdown. But since the flow of the information happens after the financial year, which coincided with the, uh, after the end of the financial year, which also coincided with the lockdown period, there was some disruption in the flow of information. So this had, uh, had some impact, but more importantly, we find the estimates of first quarter, second quarter for 2021, 20, uh, right, which coincided with the peak uh, days of lockdown. Then we are talking about um, uh, first advanced estimates for 2021, which was released in the first week. And this, in fact, covered the period, the preceding seven months. So that means the peak of uh, lockdown period. Then we talk about first revised estimates. This may, for 1920, this may not have been impacted so badly because they had a period of some six months where they could actually work with, uh, you know, where they could have uh, streamlined the flow of information. But then when we talk about second advanced estimates and third quarter, uh, the third quarter, uh, that is uh, October, December of 2021, which was released on uh, February 26th, this series was also impacted because of this COVID lockdown for both the reasons. One is data itself. Second one is the flow of information. All right. So as a result, what is that we find? Is there any major change? You'll find that uh, here I have actually tried to put uh, growth rate of GDP in 2021. You'll find that uh, in Q1, GVA at basic price uh, had a contraction at about 22.8%. Uh, and the GDP at market price 23.89%. This is the peak. Then as we actually uh, progress into the financial year, come to the third quarter, you'll find that the impact actually uh, gets subsided, right? Now, overall, during the first half of uh, 2020, what, what has been the picture? The economic contracted by about 15%, whether we take uh, GVA or GDP. 
then let us look at what has happened to the uh, annual uh, data as per uh, nso's first advanced estimates you will find that uh, the uh, gva was expected to contract uh, by 7.2% but the moment we move on to the second advanced estimates then gva was to contract by 6.5% on the contrary uh, if you look at uh, the first advanced estimates GDP at market price was expected to contract by minus 7.7%. At the same time, as per the second estimates, you'll find that uh, GDP was uh, now the contraction further worsens uh, to minus 8%. This is largely attributed to heavy subsidies given, and we know that uh, uh, GDP uh, has a component of subsidies there. Now, during this period, also we, uh, as I, we had noticed, the uh, estimate, the provisional estimates for 2019-20 was released in May, right? Uh, secondly, the first revised estimates, which does not necessarily rely on benchmark indicators, was also released on uh, released. So according to this, we will find that according to the provisional estimates, uh, GVA was expected to grow at 3.9%. But according to the first revised estimates, it actually goes up by 4.1. Now, GDP at market price also was expected to go up by uh, go down by about 4% compared to the provisional estimates. So you'll find that there has been some differences we find here, right? At the same time, the magnitude of differences what we find here between uh, you know first advanced estimates and second advanced estimates is rather, uh, I would say, is rather on the higher side. That is by about 0.7 uh, percentage points. So what has happened? So we'll come back to this particular question towards the end and see whether something, so whether some explanation can be found in the way we use some of the other major indicators. Now, moving on to the index of industrial production, uh, one thing we must uh, uh, complement uh, uh, here is uh, uh, whether we talk about IAP or CPA or uh, GDP related releases or for that matter WPA, the release date had never been missed, right? <clears throat> for instance, this is the scheduled release date for all these various months. Now, if you see whether there had been a change, like uh, what was scheduled to be released on April 9th, was it released on April 10th? We find that no. So they were all released on time. Second one is that uh, when we look at the response rate for quick estimates of IAP, you'll find that it was uh, lower, but it uh, you know improves during the first revision, which takes place in T plus one. Like if quick estimates is done for April, then T uh, then the first revision happens in T plus one. That is in the month of May. And further improvement happens, and they freeze that uh, estimates in T plus three. That is sometimes in July they estimate for May, June, July they estimate for April, and they freeze it. Right. So uh, what we have noticed is uh, in all the successive uh, revision, the weighted response rate of IAP has improved. In fact. If you see the quick estimates for the month, March 20, when we expect to uh, see the data for March 
20 was expected to come in the month of April. But April happened to be the uh, uh, lockdown uh, month. And therefore, you find that the response rate was rather very bad. It is uh, roughly about 73. When I say it was low, it is compared to what we uh, what we see in the successive months. So when we actually move on to February 2021, that is more recent months, you'll find that the response rate has been uh, to the extent of 90%, even at the quick estimates level. Then what happens when we move on to first revision, that is, uh, that takes place in T plus one. So you find that uh, for the same month, that is for the month of uh, March only, you'll find that uh, for the uh, first revision has taken place with the weighted response rate of 85%, which is very good. Now, secondly, uh, when we move on to the final revision, when they freeze that uh, estimates, we notice that response rate has been 90%. Now, one thing that uh, we have noticed is over the time during this lockdown period, response rate has uh, improved compared to the serious months of the initial months. Second one is that uh, this, as we actually move on to T plus one and T plus three, you'll find that response rate uh, has been on the higher side. Now the question is, right, what has been the response rate uh, of the final revision in the recent times compared to the pre-COVID period? So here I have taken two, three months before, uh, I mean, considering pre-COVID period, that is December 19, January, February, 2020. You'll find that even during the peak COVID period, the final revision uh, considered only the response rate of 94% which is what we find even during these months, right? So except the month of uh, March or February, right? Uh, you, you'll find generally the response rate, right? Uh, remained on the higher side. In other words, right? Uh, we find that uh, the response rate uh, has improved as we move on to uh, you know, T plus one and T plus three. Now, the third point I am noticing under index of industrial production is successive revisions brought about minor changes in the average for the quarter. For instance, look at uh, this uh, table where I have presented the general index, only index values, right, uh, for these months. Now, this is the provisional one. Now, T plus one, when the first revision takes place, in fact, in T plus two, that is, if it is January, then we are talking about T plus two month when there is no revision happens. So it is basically T1, T plus one is being repeated in T plus two. At the same time, if you see the last column, T plus three, where the final revision happens. So when we compare these numbers, right, uh, over the years, you will find that except uh, this March, April and May, you don't find uh, much revision happening here again, right? But in fact, the first revision and uh, the final revision, final figure for month of May remains more or less the same. Whereas in the case of uh, April, you'll find some uh, differences between the uh, provisional estimates, that is first uh, estimates, that is in period T, which amounts to 56.3. Then now the index values drops to 53.6 in T plus one. Now similarly in, uh, but the difference thereafter, right thereafter, the difference between T and T plus one has narrowed down. This actually suggests that uh, except this uh, initial period that is covering the first three months, we may not actually witness that kind of serious uh, 
uh, any kind of major revisions taking place. So what I have done further to understand this phenomena, I have taken the average of index value, general index values for the first quarter, second uh, for the quarter January, March, that is last quarter of last year and uh, first three quarters. So this is the index value, right? Now I have also worked out the average of this index value for the period T1 and T3. Now, what, what is that I'm noticing? In the month of January, March, that is last quarter of the previous year, there has been uh, the change between the two uh, revision as uh, amounting to uh, 0.54 uh, point differences. At the same time, when we talk about this series phase of April to uh, June, that is the first quarter of the last year, you'll find that uh, the point differences between the uh, percentage point differences between uh, T1, T plus one and T has been uh, 0.2 and the July, September dropped further it picked up. Now, at the same time, when we look at the point differences between percentage point differences between T plus three and T plus one, you'll find that in the second quarter, you have 0.34 and in December 0.26. So that means in, if we consider April, September of, uh, that is the first quarter of uh, 2020, having the major impact on the um, uh, collection of statistics, it is more to do at the preliminary stage rather than at the successive stage. Uh, here again, I have presented uh, performance of IAP. Uh, this is basically uh, based on the latest available data. You'll find that uh, in the month of uh, April, May, particularly uh, manufacturing, it uh, dropped drastically. Let us say, if you are looking at uh, April of uh, corresponding month of 1920, in the month of, in that month, it uh, the index value was 126 which dropped to uh, 42%, uh, 42, that is by about, uh, you know, 66.6%. In the month of May also index values dropped by about 37.8%. Overall, this is the scenario. Even when we compare to the March figure, right? If I connect month on month basis, you'll find March 2020, the index value dropped from 134 to 111 and the same thing further dropped to 42. So as a result, what um, uh, NSSO was quick to uh, react to this kind of uh, situation. So what they, what uh, National Statistical Office said was, drop in the AP values was more uh, prominent in the initial period and therefore they discouraged working out growth rate. If I have to quote that repress uh, release dated June 12, 2020, well, they say that uh, because of major uh, number of industrial establishments were not operating, they could not file and therefore um, uh, the responding units, right? Number of expanding units uh, uh, virtually reported nil production in the month of April. So their advice to the user is consequently, it is not appropriate to compare the AP of April with earlier months and users might like to observe the changes in the IAP in the following months. Uh, in fact, you'll find that uh, if you look at the IAP for the month of April, May, June, July, for these months, unlike their previous uh, system of uh, you know uh, uh, reporting the statistics, 
they have actually abstained from working out the growth rates. Rather, they have just compared the uh, points only, right? The points like 42 compared to 78, uh, 126, 84 compared to the uh, corresponding month of the previous year. So they had abstained from working out this kind of growth rate, right? Now, now moving to the third important uh, database, we are talking about CPA, Consumer Price Index. This is again uh, brought out by uh, NSO, uh, uh, mostly collected from uh, 100 and, uh, 1,114 urban markets and uh, 1,181 village markets. Um, they are generally, the statistic price the statistics generally are collected through personal visit by field stop on a weekly coaster. Now, as I said, uh, that uh, restrictions on the movement of people uh, effective from 19th March had also led to a decision of NSO whereby they suspended the personal visits of price collectors. And therefore, the data from the month of March almost stopped uh, coming for about uh, uh, one or two months. But as we'll see, uh, the way NSO handled this kind of situation uh, is to be actually uh, complimented. Um, from their press release, we find that in the month of March 2020, uh, because that um, you know they could not get uh, price quotation from all the commodities, rather they got only 63% of price quotations, that is roughly about 66%. Now, what they argued was the, so that means there were some missing price data so they found that uh, uh, this missing price data were uh, within certain acceptable limits. So therefore, what they did was they released the uh, CPA price data that is rural, urban, and combined both at the national and at the state level for subgroups and groups, right? Now, in the month of April, what has happened was, uh, since the price collectors could not visit the place, they had completely, uh, they could not get the data, but uh, they in fact tried to get the data through telephonic inquiry from the designated outlets uh, by the price collectors. Plus this information was also supplemented by the personal purchase of field stock at about uh, 200 locations across the country. And uh, eventually they collected prices from 674 urban markets and 523 markets. And as we know that uh, they are collected based on the transactions made by the field stock, uh, they actually pertain to the commodities which are actually uh, transacted. So as a result, the NSO abstained from releasing this particular uh, statistics at a detailed level. Now in the month of May, NSO tried to uh, give some bit of statistics of April uh, uh, 2020. So what they had done for both the months, April and May, uh, they tried, but then they found that on the principle of adequacy, uh, they could not get the uh, price movements of subgroups and groups of CPA uh, at various levels, all India level and at the uh, state level, both rural, urban and uh, combined. And therefore, what they did was they gave only at the very, very aggregate level, subject to the following uh, conditions that the items, whatever were included, were uh, reported from at least 25% of markets, 
separating right from rural market that village markets and urban sector and constituted 70% of weight of respective subgroups second one is that uh, they also uh, combined uh, this uh, uh, statistic uh, this uh, cpa uh, by using direct approach uh, taking the data from a common market at the national level that is for constructing at the all india level for rural urban and uh, uh, combined as a result of this as we can say that uh, see uh, this would be a difficult proposition at the state level so they had stopped bringing out uh, cpa at the state level for the month of april and may but later on uh, they resumed in the month of june uh, as we notice in the month of may uh, what they did was they begin to uh, since uh, there were a lot of subgroups which could not uh, satisfy this even at the state level uh, then it actually gave rise to the problem of missing values so what they did was they adapted this uh, in the month of may they adapted a methodology known as business continuity guidelines uh, given by intersecretariat working group on price indices of uh, imf world bank etc so uh, based on this uh, method right uh, they had actually inputted the missing value by or at the subgroup uh, index considering the next higher level of aggregation so this is how they uh, so therefore most of the data we have for april and may they have been actually uh, filled up using this business continuity guidelines now in june 2020 the data uh, did not uh, collect uh, this data collected did not meet the uh, uh, no that uh, principle of adequacy and therefore they did not actually uh, and this problem was was very severe at the state level so non release of data at the state level still continue so that means for April, May, June, we don't get the state data at the state level. At the same time, in the month of June, they found that uh, they were they could actually manage to generate general uh, CPU for rural, urban, and uh, uh, combined. And uh, using this data, as this data had uh, arrived from more than 90% of the markets, so therefore they were able to generate state-wise data. So what we find is, and uh, using the previous approach also, right, that is uh, approach of uh, business uh, continuity guidelines, they also filled up the data for April, May, right, June. So like, likewise, uh, they generated data for July. And so from July onwards, you find that uh, CPA press releases continue to have state level data, right, August, onwards you see that uh, at all level of disaggregation data have been released based on their previous practices so that means in the case of cpa you find that uh, the major disruption happened in the month of uh, april and may and to some extent in the month of june and uh, they recovered in the month of july but not at the at a very disaggregate level but certainly other than these four months they were back to uh, what they were earlier. Now, for these reasons, whether there was any delay in the release of CPA data, we find that uh, there has been no delay. This all press releases happened as per the scheduled release date. Uh, uh, what we find here is, I, I was going through it, then I found that uh, interestingly, 
see uh, uh, when we discussed about iap we talked about response rate in fact uh, to get this information in the past it was very difficult and i was going through some of the uh, earlier press releases uh, my gut feeling is they were not disclosed but uh, to emphasize the credibility of their uh, data sources and uh, so in both the releases that is uh, iap as well as in uh, cpa disclosed what is the percentage of their covering or the response rate right so we had already seen how that response rate had improved over the months right during the covid period and also improved as we progress into finalizing the uh, estimates now here also in the case of iap you will find that the percentage of market covered had also improved drastically from uh, august see in the month of april if you see the percentage of markets covered it was rather very low particularly the village market it was around 44 and in the month of uh, may it went up to 71 in month of uh, june further right and it improved and now for since august it remains above 96 right now similarly urban in the first two months there was a major impact but afterwards you find that uh, they were able to cover uh, 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 to a larger extent right now uh, we are actually uh, uh, we know that uh, there would be two types of uh, estimates of cp one what we call it is provisional estimates which is uh, released the month in the following month right then we are talking about final estimates now the question is whether uh, we find any major differences in the final estimates at least during this uh, covid period uh, let us say covering from march to july what is it we find in the month of march provisional i am not able to get the final figure and uh, april may as we said they were not uh, they did not release any provisional figure rather we are having only the final figure in the month of june when the uh, percentage of market covered right uh, was in between what was covered in may and july you will find that uh, the revision did not have any kind of made uh, there was not major division, uh, revision uh, in cpa rural as well as in cpa urban and therefore on the combined so similarly you don't actually get to see major revision happening between the you know uh, final and provisional so this actually in a way suggest a kind of uh, robust system of collecting statistics even at the uh, even for uh, you know estimating the uh, provisional figures now coming to the last uh, major database that is the wholesale price index released by office of economic advisor in the ministry of commerce and industry now their major practice is to release here again we have got uh, two types of releases one is provisional another one is uh, final provisional is again something similar to cpa is released on the 14th of every month with a time lag of two weeks of the reference month and it is uh, received from institutional sources and selected manufacturing units through web uh, through the uh, web portal uh, of nic so that means uh this um, uh, uh, does not require uh, much, uh, i mean ideally this should not actually um, if we had used ICT, ict more effectively 
uh, WPA shouldn't have actually been fraught with any uh, compilation of WPA shouldn't have been fraught with any difficulties. Now the second uh, estimates what they do is almost after 10 weeks, right, when they finalize and freeze these provisional figures. Now I was actually looking at the calendar, right, the calendar that is 14th of every month, whether they were released. Yes, we find that the calendar was not missed. Right, that's a, uh, I mean, just like any other previous uh, uh, date of scheduled date of uh, the release calendar of previous three uh, major database, you'll find that uh, WPA also met with its release calendar. Um, now, what we had uh, after going through all the press releases, what I found was um, this uh, lockdown had impacted WPA compilation for the month of uh, April 2020 only. Right, not the other months. The reason they, it was cited was the price collection of manufactured products. As you know that uh, uh, WPA is uh, made available under three broad segments. One is uh, uh, primary, the second one is fuel, the fuel and power, and the third one is manufactured products. It is important, right? It has got a sizable weights in the whole uh, diagram of uh, WPA, right? Uh, weighing diagram of WPA. So in the month of March, people, price collectors could not visit the factories and therefore the collection, the uh, prices of manufactured products could not be collected. In fact, when we see this uh, WP presented for the month of uh, manufactured uh, products released in the uh, following month, you'll find they would have given few things for uh, primary and uh, fuel, but not for manufactured. So this item was greatly impacted and therefore compilation at the aggregate level, that is for WP for uh, uh, April 2020 uh, was also uh, impact. Now, um, what they did was uh, they, they collected um, information only for the items for which at least 25% uh, of the price uh, quotations were reported from the selected manufacturing units, but even then, uh, considering the principle of adequacy, they could not actually combine it, right? But at the same time, what has happened was, as they actually progressed further into uh, future, uh, along with the uh, June data, they, they were able to finalize uh, WPA for the month of uh, April 2020. And uh, the entire data set for April 2020 was released in July 2020, right? Now, uh, this is the uh, response rate we find. See, it is actually, we are not getting a clear-cut trend here, right? You'll find that uh, pre-COVID period, that is before, uh, let us say, uh, in the month of uh, February 2020 and March 2020, for provisional figures, the response rate was 77 and 78, right? Now, if we use this, uh, somewhere around uh, 77 to 78, right as a kind of criteria then you'll find that after october right after october 2020 the collection of statistics has actually resumed to its pre-covid uh, situations at the same time when we talk about final uh, estimates you find that uh, for the month of march of course it uh, it had come in the month of may only you'll find that um, we have got uh, response weighted response rate of 85. Now, if you apply this criteria all along, you will find that uh, the final estimates has been right using uh, or uh, uh, 
no final estimates have had a higher response rate during this covid period compared to the uh, pre covid period in that case we can consider wpa the final estimates is more robust but certainly the provisional estimates from october 20 onwards it's really more, more robust now these are few remarks i have got right so uh, based on this um, uh, you know a close scrutiny of the release calendar response rate right the percentage point differences between the provisional and the final i'm uh, i'm actually inclined to conclude that our statistical system remained uh, resilient in the time of crisis and uh, the timeliness in the release of data were, uh, was intact which actually uh, speaks volumes of the robustness uh, of the statistical system we have got and uh, more importantly a good statistical system should be able to adapt the uh, appropriate methodology now here what is considered as appropriate let us say that internationally accepted methodology then they were quick to adopt within two months right they were able to generate data for missing values of cpa using the business continuity index right for april and may 2020 now uh, whether the subsequent revision had uh, deferred uh, uh, from the provisional estimates we don't have major evidences to, to support that now i must also say that uh, during the time of crisis our uh, transparency in the uh, data collection system has improved now earlier we did not report the response rate or percentage of markets covered let us say in the case of iap and cpa respectively but uh, during the last uh, you know press releases of last few months i have come across this very useful information and they actually is again speaks uh, i mean they only suggest that uh, our uh, system has become more transparent in the time of crisis now the question is whether the situation could help to improve the data collection system i have two observations here now uh, before i go ahead with the observations let me compare the growth rate of uh, gross value added and iap of few sectors just to make a limited point here right uh, we had already seen how real uh, gross uh, real uh, gross value added at basic prices had moved right um, it actually uh, if you uh, now here what i am presenting is only for three major segments for which right i am talking about advanced estimates which uh, primarily uses the benchmark indicators so uh, now i am talking about three sectors or uh, uh, right mining manufacturing and electricity yes mining also uses some more information electricity also uses information but manufacturing predominantly uses the iap as the benchmark indicator so i would like to actually see whether the uh, uh, growth rate of real uh, G gva of manufacturing in quarter 1 quarter 2 quarter 3 had deferred what is being uh, you know uh, what can be gathered from what can be gathered from the iap right the manufacturing segment of iap so what do you find based on the uh, release related to gdp indicator is that manufacturing gross value added in at uh, 2011 12 prices in quarter 11 was expected to drop by 39.4% uh, compared to the corresponding quarter of the previous year. I'm actually talking about quarter one means April to June 2021. 20, uh, 
Now, when I look at IAP uh, growth rate for the corresponding uh, you know, quarter, I find that uh, it is actually 40%, very close. But when we move on to the quarter two, the real manufacturing GVA had recovered to 0.6%. On the other hand, as per IAP indicator, you'll find that the manufacturing segment of IAP further I mean, continued to drop. And uh, though it, the magnitude is not same as what we noticed in Q1, but rather it is uh, low, uh, uh, you know, uh, at uh, minus 6.3. So just compare 0.6 as per uh, NSO's GDP related estimates, but uh, what has been brought out by IAP is minus uh, 6.3. In fact, it is not that adverse quarter of April to June, rather it is the subsequent quarters. Right, then when we talk about Q3, again, manufacturing GVA uh, was expected to grow at the rate of 1.6%, which is nearly the same as uh, IAP, that is at the uh, 1.0. So in Q2, we have serious problem. Now, what has happened to the first, uh, you know, the first half of the year uh, 20, 2021? Manufacturing GVA was expected to grow I mean, rather contract by 19.4% uh, according to the GDP related indicators. Whereas according to IAP indicator, it was expected to contract by about 23.3%, right? Again, there is some kind of difference. That is largely because of the difference we notice in the uh, quarter two. So uh, now uh, this actually leads to, see in the quarter one, the real growth rate of uh, manufacturing GVA and the growth rate of uh, IAP moved very close, quarter one and quarter three. So we are having some problem with uh, Q2. Now, in case we accept IAP as the benchmark indicator for deriving manufacturing uh, GVA, then if we allow the same kind of growth to take place, then it would actually call for revising the overall uh, uh, you know, uh, real gross value added at basic prices. So when I make that adjustment, uh, as I had highlighted sometimes, uh, you know, at the beginning, right, when I made that adjustments here, right, GV at basic prices, uh, which was according to the second estimates was expected to grow at uh, minus 0.5%, that is expected to contract. After making that adjustment using the growth rate as per IAP, I find that this actually jumps to minus 8%, which is the trend as we had noticed in the case of GDP. So is there something that is amiss here, right? That we are not actually, uh, you know, of course, uh, CSO at some point, they had admitted that uh, they had uh, uh, supplemented this information, having discussion with the institutional bodies but then can it actually uh, lead to this kind of differences? So I'm actually leaving this uh, uh, as an open question. So I have got uh, two uh, comments here uh, to make in order to improve the statistics. One is that we had seen that uh, with respect to collection of price statistics, uh, CPA was badly impacted and uh, we had to lay on uh, you know, uh, some methodology as a matter of filler. Whereas the same was not the case with the WPA. Now, uh, these days, uh, what is uh, due to this um, you know, improved online sale of 
goods as well as you know when we open some uh, portal like uh, fracto you'll find that even the rate at which you can opt for healthcare services that is also being fixed and when we look at uh, some of the uh, portal like nobroker.com you'll find what is the kind of rent that is going on in different parts so can we use this kind of uh, online right uh, facilities to improve the reliability of uh, you know consumer price index of course this data are uh, from the supplies point of view but still they are actually the data at which transaction take place so we can still consider that that's first question second one is that uh, the kind of mismatch between the growth rate of iep and manufacturing particularly in the second quarter is somewhat improved improving and we all know that iep is output based and gba is value based value added based at the same time since we use this iap as a benchmark indicator then why we notice that in the second quarter there's a huge difference now as i said in case you make that adjustments even if you are considering a contraction of 6% here instead of 0.6% growth then the gdp during the advance second advance estimates wouldn't actually drop to 8.6.5% uh, rather as i said it would increase to uh, minus eight uh, percent. I think with this, I'll conclude. Thank you so much. Hello. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Arjun, you are on mute. Yeah. No, not, we are not able to hear you. We are not able to. Doctor Arjun, we are not able to hear you. audible now yes Hello. yes okay okay so without any further ado let me uh, invite dr rajeshwari ma'am to share her remarks quickly uh, thank yes. you thank you yeah so i i it won't be very quick i'll take a, a 5 10 minutes Please. to share my remarks Yes, yes. Sorry, we were also running out of time. Yeah. But yes, definitely. please, please go ahead. Go ahead. Definitely running out of time. But still, I'll try to keep it brief and quick. Um, so, uh, uh, unfortunately, because I received the summary of uh, Dennis's talk only half an hour before the event, most of my comments won't really be on what he covered. Although it was very interesting and insightful to listen to his points and the detailed nitty gritties about the release calendar of the various uh, macroeconomic aggregates. Um, now, because the topic of the, the overall discussion is evaluating Indian macroeconomic systems, a statistical system, I want to focus on one specific element of it, uh, which relates to the very important and relevant issue of trust and confidence in official statistics. And then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll cover the points that I have to say, and then towards the end, I'll talk about the specific period of the pandemic as well and address some of the points that were raised by Dennis. Now, as we all know that in, in the first few decades after independence, the Indian statistical system enjoyed a global stature and received widespread appreciation and recognition from all over the world. 
But since then, we have come a long way. And especially in the last 10 years or so, there has been a severe erosion of trust and confidence in the official statistical system. Since we got past the Hindu rate of growth and we implemented you know, all the reforms of the early 1990s, we got a major economic boom from about 2003 to 2008. But since then, the Indian economy has experienced uh, several episodes of fluctuations. Uh, the volatilities in the economy, the shocks to the economy have gone up manifold um, and have become even more pronounced in the last 10 years. And I mean, we all know this, but just to reiterate, uh, the Indian economy experienced several corruption scandals from the government. We had a protracted uh, crisis in the banking and the private corporate sector. Uh, we had shocks such as the demonetization, then the patchy implementation of the goods and services tax, which arguably very adversely affected the informal sector. Uh, then we had a crisis in the non-banking financial sector as well. So we have had series of such instabilities in the economy. And that also shows up in the fact that the GDP series, uh, which typically gets rebased every five, six years, it still hasn't been rebased uh, in, in the last 10 years, you know, with our, our current GDP series as a base year of 2011-12 still. But because we have had so much of volatilities, there hasn't been one year of peaceful, calm macroeconomic period when that could have been chosen as a base year. But whatever it may be, now then we, the economy got hit by, by the pandemic. Now, as a result of all these growing volatilities in the macroeconomy and the shocks that the economy has been experiencing, what this meant was that the developments aggravated the need and the urgency among all kinds of stakeholders uh, for data. I think the demand for data went up significantly in order to help understand how the economy and its various sectors are performing. There was a huge premium attached to people trying to understand the economy. Now, this was not something that we had seen pre-2000, but post-2010-11 onwards specifically, you could see that all kinds of stakeholders, researchers, media journalists, analysts, and of course, policymakers, attaching a lot of premium to accessing data and information in order to understand the state of the economy. And these developments over the last decade also coincided with two very important developments. One of which, of course, was the proliferation of internet and communication, information and communication technology, right? So with this proliferation of mobile phones and smartphones and uh, 3G, 4G data, internet, et cetera, a large fraction of population today are able to access data and information from all possible quarters. So not only was there an enhanced demand for data, there was also an enhanced supply of data from multiple sources. And the second development that also happened over the last decade was this was a period when trust and confidence in the official statistical system started getting significantly eroded. As a result of these developments, you know, this increased need and urgency for data, the supply of data because of access to internet uh, technology, and the, the gradually eroding trust and confidence in official statistical system, we see today that in the middle of the pandemic, which is the worst possible crisis the Indian economy has experienced in a very long time, we see that when people are more desperate than ever uh, to figure out the state of the economy, to understand what kind of recovery the economy is going to experience, there is a growing reliance among stakeholders on unofficial data and also moving away from aggregates like GDP towards more high frequency indicators. Because you know the pandemic is a rapidly evolving situation. Things are changing by weeks when different areas and districts are imposing lockdown, mobility restrictions. So there is a need for looking at high frequency indicators as opposed to aggregates like GDP. 
And also what has happened, as I just mentioned, because more and more stakeholders seem to be looking at unofficial data, you know, what happens is when there is an erosion of trust in official data, the private agencies step in. And a lot of the data that is being released in the public domain today has, are coming from private agency, private organizations. So for example, increasingly people are looking at Google mobility report, night lights data, so on and so forth. In other words, the official statistical system no longer has the monopoly on data. That is a very big difference from the pre-1990s era and now. You know, earlier, there was a lot of cost attached to gather public data for private agencies. But now, with, because of computers, because of technology, that cost has become really low. So it's much easier for private sector organizations to organize surveys, collect data, analyze data, and release it in the public domain. So there is this two parallel data sources that have emerged in India today and elsewhere in the rest of the world as well, which is one is the national statistical system and one is the private data, uh, data released by the private sector organizations. And we have seen that for major part of the last uh, uh, six, seven years, there was a divergence between these two data sources. So I shall cite two instances, of course, that everybody knows here, but it helps to refresh the memory now about erosion of trust in official statistics and the divergence that I'm referring to. So one, of course, was that when the new GDP series was released in 2015, many of us for the next four or five years relentlessly wrote about, we studied, uh, we wrote about, I think Dennis was also involved, we wrote about several problems and flaws in the methodology of the new series about the data sources that we used. Um, but however, till date, we don't know what steps were taken by uh, the National Statistical Organization, the CSO, the NSO, I can't remember anymore what it's called because it changes, uh, what steps were taken to correct these problems to address the flaws that you repeatedly highlighted. In fact, many of the, the CSO officials informally admitted that yes, there are problems, there are some issues which need to be fixed, but we don't know what has been done yet to resolve these problems, which means that the GDP series today that we are relying on to understand the state of the economy in the middle of the pandemic and especially that we are going to rely on going forward to understand the, the nature and the speed of recovery of the economy uh, is, is still a problematic one because many of those problems that were highlighted in many, many uh, authors and analysts writing haven't really been addressed. And not only were the problems not fixed, uh, the, Indian st the statistical system ended up releasing a back series, which uh, all, for all practical purposes wiped out the one major period of economic boom that India has experienced since 1990. And that, of course, further affected the credibility of the statistical system. And the second point, of course, is that in the middle of this widespread controversy about the GDP data, which sort of died down because everybody got busy with the pandemic, uh, the government also decided to suppress the results of a very important survey. Reports were retracted, surveys were discontinued, alternative data sources like the EPFO were resorted to to establish the claims about the state of the economy. Once again, that further dented the credibility of the official statistical system. Now, many of us, and I know this was written in media as well, this was discussed till about 2018-19, but then of course the pandemic hit us and this, we all sort of forgot about all the problems uh, that have been brewing for the last several years, but none of these problems were addressed, none of the problems were fixed, which means all the national, the most of the data, especially GDP series that we are relying on now, are still beset with the problems that were highlighted in the last several years. So I think what is important is now the pandemic more than ever has reminded us the need for releasing correct uh, and good data 
uh, and not only like an indicator, an aggregate indicator like GDP, but also high frequency indicators because there is an increasing demand and urgency to analyze the state of the economy using high frequency indicators. So I think what needs to be done, and this has been repeated several times in various committee reports as well, is that we need an honest and holistic approach once and for all to, 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 to resolve this massive crisis of confidence and trust deficit in the national statistical system if we ever want to restore the glory and appreciation that it used to enjoy at one point of time. And here I would highlight three main areas. I think, first of all, uh, even during the pandemic and coming out of it, we need to remember and we need to walk towards this, that the statistical system of any country, including India, of course, must be made apolitical and independent. It should not matter which government is in power, we must allow the data to speak the truth. That is very, very important. And I think to some extent that got uh, severely dented over the last few years. Secondly, several steps need to be taken to revive the credibility and reliability of official data so that there is less of a divergence between the private data that is being released, or even if there is a divergence, people feel more confident in using the official data because at the end of the day, data is public good. So there is a very critical role for the national statistical system to play in this domain and not, even if the monopoly is getting lost out, but it should not be that the private sector completely takes over the whole domain of, of data. So I think there needs to be much greater transparency of the methods that are used in data collection and production. And it's great, as Dennis pointed out, that in the last one year, several attempts have been made in being more transparent about the response rate, about the percentage of market share, et cetera. But I think much greater transparency is required in terms of the methods used to calculate GDP and the data sources that have gone into the GDP calculation in light of the problems that were highlighted by several uh, uh, people involved in this field. There must be adoption of state-of-the-art technology and uh, efforts to mine new data. So for example, be it GST data, which comes out at a monthly frequency, the nightlights data, et cetera, because the GDP as an aggregate still falls short of, in many ways, it does not really give a very good idea about the economy, how the economy is doing, given that there is a large informal sector that is not very well captured, et cetera. Also, there should be regular engagement with stakeholders and critiques. Over the last few years, the national statistical system has sort of moved away and distanced itself from various stakeholders and critiques, which further dents the credibility. There is definitely a need for investment of much larger financial resources and human resources, without which, of course, the whole revamping effort cannot be done. And I think it's extremely important to revive the National Statistical Commission as an independent body so that it, it, the, the whole statistical organization reports to an independent commission and takes the government out of it. I think these are the steps, again, these are nothing new that I'm saying, but it's important for us to remember, we should not forget this now that we are in the pandemic, and we should not settle in this kind of a complacency that all is well with the national statistical series that have been released for various indicators. There are many, many problems which have been highlighted over the last five, six years, and the pandemic should be used as an opportunity to fix some of these problems. So. And lastly, I would say that whether we like it or not, the private sector today is playing a critical role in producing and disseminating data. I mean, look at unemployment, employment statistics. Any uh, outlet that you look at, most of the outlets are quoting today the unemployment statistics collected by a private organization and not the ones that is coming out of the national statistical system. So that itself shows that it's an extremely important indicator, particularly in the context of the pandemic, when we need to know, we want to know what is the state of unemployment, both in the formal sector and in the informal sector, as at the high, as high frequency a basis as possible. 
But that again is something the need is being met increasingly by the private sector and not so much by the official system. So I think the official statistical system has to start collaborating with the private sector so that the two work together towards producing the public good of the data, as opposed to working against each other, which doesn't really serve any good purpose. So I would basically say that you know, statistics give a quantitative force to reality. So we must allow the statistics to reflect the reality as well as possible. And there, I think there is enough, I mean, I'm really heartened to see that the release calendar has been uh, maintained as diligently as possible. There is an attempt to, greater, to do greater transparency, but there is still a lot of improvement to be done in very, very important aggregates like the GDP, which is still beset with several problems that were highlighted and have not been addressed. Uh, there are also problems of divergence between the IIP and the GVA, as, as Dennis was mentioning. Also, if the provisional and the advanced estimates of GDP have been based on limited data, we need to understand what it means in terms of interpreting uh, the real GDP growth rate for 2021 uh, when the final data comes out. Again, it regards to CPI, while it is commendable that the, the response rate and the percentage of market share have been released, but the fact that there was so much of missing information and the, the data was imputed, for example, made it very difficult for the central bank to forecast inflation for several quarters. So what instead I think now needs to be paid attention to is instead of doing such door-to-door -door surveys, can we replace it with something like what, is, what has been done in MIT in the US, which is the Billion Prices Project, where you cull out the data from online retail sales platforms, at least for the urban areas, and create some kind of an index of price uh, inflation or price movement, uh, taking, taking help of modern technology, et cetera. Or basically do telephone call surveys, instead of doing door-to-door -door service. And already that is being done, handheld devices are being used, which are great, but we can step it up one, one step ahead and start doing a collection of online data because that is definitely in sync with the whole digital India image as well. So I, I guess I would end by saying that I think it's, it's, it's commendable definitely how in, despite the fact that this has been a really severe crisis period for the country, the statistical system has stepped up and it has adopted a more transparent ways and it has stuck to the release calendar. But once uh, we, we sort of recovered from the severe effects of the health crisis and all of us will get very busy to understand the economic recovery, we must not lose uh, focus on the fact that there are still exist problems with aggregates like GDP. Uh, the, and the CPI is, I would say, one of the better uh, collected aggregated data one of the better put together uh, data, but there do exist problems with the GDP. And we need to take steps to figure out how those problems can be resolved so that the picture of recovery of the economy is, is as honest to reality as it can be. And going forward, how can the national statistical system uh, uh, further revamp, its, its further improve the data collection methods by adopting new methods, state-of-the-art technology, uh, by also taking help of new data sources that keep coming up, as I said. Uh, and also maybe collaborating with the private sector when necessary. So I think there, there has to be a very comprehensive effort in addressing the existing problems and going to the next level uh, so that when the next crisis comes, and of course, uh, all economies will keep facing crisis or one crisis or the other, uh, the statistical system is even better equipped. And the most important, and this is my last point, I think it is extremely important to restore the credibility and the reliability of official statistics which have gotten affected significantly over the last several years. Uh, so I will end my comments with this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sengupta. Very excellent points, I, I must say. So uh, you have really uh, tried to summarize 
the whole macro statistical part in in uh, in a nutshell and what needs to, uh, what or what is required uh, i would quickly ask shalja ma'am if you're there dr shalja ma'am if you want to pitch in chip in and add few points or monan sir anyway anyhow uh, let me add few points and then we can come to dennis sir for uh, uh, some of his <clears throat> comments if sir wants to also to add uh, so thank you sir for uh, really highlighting so many of uh, macro statistics which uh, uh, you you were uh, stressing today on on gdp and uh, national account stats iip cpi and uh, yes the, the localized and other things which rajeshwari ma'am also was highlighting the oecd framework and the sales data which us use we have not been also able to uh, make much mark through using the mis data or the digital data as as members saying there is also ndap which niti aayog has come and there is also a, a policy which mosp is making on this official statistics also the digital ones so sir how do you see that uh, that progress uh, being done during the last one two years especially as we are moving ahead uh, some points i also wanted to ask based on the press release cso and others uh, that there is also doubt about the quarterly figures uh, in fact our system only does not take it very seriously that uh, the quarterly estimates beat for plfs for the labor or for others only that it only just shows the direction and not the quantum is very right so adenisa what do you think of the the whole conundrum of the quarterly estimate because you really highlighted a lot of manufacturing related uh, discrepancies in the manufacturing data uh, other i also wanted to uh, ask that so how do you see this macro statistics having their usability or application at a sub national level or let us say sectoral level as we know that the this pandemic has been catastrophic for different uh, sectors uh, uh, unevenly uh, also good for gig workers and other sectors so sir how do you see the, the, our the application of our uh, macro stats and uh, and what what uh, can be seen from the second wave because uh, uh, just one two months uh, ago there was so much of you know prediction and a, a lot of uh, new projections were coming and this time around gst taxes and other things are also not deferred last time it was deferred three months six months so now there is chance of you know uh, not much affect to the economy uh, what do you think will be the impact on the uh, on this macro numbers because the gst collection was typically highest 1.41 lakh crore uh, which which just recently came so numbers are also telling a very different story one more question i think uh, would be very important for uh, all all of you know as as uh, as research scholar and students uh, so what do you think about the unorganized sector the informal economy and what are your views on that when we look at the macro uh, economy statistics uh, because professor arun kumar is highlighting a lot and he writes in epw also a lot and uh, how do you see that thing coming up because uh, we all also think that it is hidden or it is not a part of it and how the growth rate so there is also when we talk about india you really highlighted our data system is really resilient and as dr sen gupta was also highlighting when it comes to data we prefer our state or the government system to take lead we all do because because of our institution uh, just related to that i just wanted to add one last thing and which was about china 
China has really got since they have quarter to quarter based on yearly uh, that thing. Uh, they are reporting 18 to 20 percent of growth uh, quarterly, and uh, uh, their statistical system they do not they have very they do not have much credibility as also compared to India or other nations. How do you see the world moving uh, uh, in their macroeconomic statistics? So uh, these were some of the questions. Dennis, sir, would you like to reflect on any of them? You can choose. Um, to Arjun, can I just ask, just add one more question. So I think uh, another big lacuna in a statistical system, and I think you briefly highlighted this about state level GDP. So, you know, getting an understanding of subnational performance and state level performance now as a result of the pandemic will be extremely important because several states are going to show unequal performances based on vaccination rate, uh, the severity of the pandemic in different districts, etc. But there, the, the aggregate of state level GDP is going to fall short because we are all aware of the severe problems with state level GDP estimates, which cannot really be trusted very much. So I don't know what is it that we can look at at that point of time, given that GST collections are also fluctuating from month to month. So I think that's something that I would like to ask Dennis as well, that this is something that we need to think about, that how do we strengthen the collection of data at the state level and even at a more decentralized level, because that is going to become very important going forward. Right, right. And that is what I was also uh, highlighting through the OECD framework with the US. We tried a very innovative project, and that was for Thani Smart City. We tried to uh, estimated city level GDP like they do in US using various methodology. I also presented Denisa chair. So I, I should stop myself here. And Denisa, yes, please. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not too sure whether I'll be able to answer all your questions, but let me try. Starting from your MIS. <laughs> See, this, uh, most of these MIS happen to be uh, not like the system that uh, Planning Commission had in the past. In the past, if you go to the uh, MIS of uh, the Planning Commission Vice Chairman, you'll notice that they are they are they contain the data which are anyway available in the public domain. Okay, so uh, there was uh, except that poverty uh, estimates, you may not come across anything so new in the MIS of Planning Commission. So what is the MIS we are talking about? If you are actually referring to the dashboard, then it's a purely a voluntary act. And I would actually abstain from using any data that is coming through the dashboard. Second one is that if you are talking about, uh, you know, data generated by, you know, through filings, right? Uh, then uh, one thing we can uh, uh, recall is uh, MCA 2021 20, uh, data set, which is nothing but uh, it is the uh, online submission of financial statements by companies, which are, which they have to mandatorily perform as per the Companies Act, right? But then at a given point of time, whether all companies perform that, we simply don't know. Uh, I can recall another data set that is, uh, you know, DICE data maintained by a new pub, right? There again, uh, they're all data based on the, uh, you know, the school's filings at the district level. But then uh, do they actually represent at a point of time, the uh, ground uh, realities, we cannot simply say it so unless everyone submits their filings, right, returns. Now, uh, this raises serious, uh, you know, uh, doubts whether we can use those kind of data sets. I don't know whether you are referring to such data sets or something else, but I take it to mean this way. So unless these data sets are frozen and we have some idea about the population, right, 
uh, I simply do not know to what extent we can put uh, this kind of statistics to better use. At least when it comes to you know estimating economy-wide uh, uh, estimates, like uh, building up these economy-wide estimates, like corporate investments, savings, households investments, savings, and so on. Right. Uh, the uh, second one is uh, see as far as this uh, building up uh, SDP is concerned. Now you know with uh, this. Uh, uh, you know, 2011-12 base year being, you know, that methodology being implemented, you will find that uh, we, unlike the past, we do not follow bottom-up approach, rather we follow top-down approach. That means we have estimates for the country as a whole, right? Then we actually apportion, right? So now the system of apportioning uh, accounts for, I think, uh, roughly around 70 to 75% of the SDP, right? So uh, if you are having, uh, now one can go on questioning, right? Whether this apportion is good, bad, uh, and so on. But uh, as I said, we in this presentation, uh, I didn't have that kind of idea of, uh, you know, uh, critically commenting on methodology anyway that we have been doing. That's a different exercise. Right, but to answer your question, I'll give you one more one example coming from Kerala. Now, if you look at uh, this uh, budget placed by the former finance minister, Dr. Thomas Eisen, uh, he uh, he says that um, according to his uh, you know uh, team, the Kerala economy was uh, supposed to uh, you know contract by about uh, seven thousand crore or something like that. Whereas I had come across another independent estimates by another scholar who had uh, interacted, as I understood from him, with the same team who had provided the data to Professor Thomas, is that um, his estimates on uh, Dr. Murugan from Toronto, his estimate has placed that uh, GDP, GSTP of Kerala was to go down by about some 30 plus thousand crore. So that means uh, then I have also come across some independent, uh, you know, uh, exercise done by scholars in in the case of Gujarat. Now, uh, uh, prima facie, you will find that the methodology, whatever they adapt, uh, seems to be uh, quite sound and all that. But then uh, you can have some differences between the estimates given by the statistical authorities, even at the state level, like DES. But then can we have this kind of differences that in that case, even what is being independently estimated by uh, uh, private uh, scholars, that also leads to its own doubts. Now, more of this, uh, uh, Dr. P.C. Monan is with us. He is heading uh, Statistical Commission of Kerala. So he can actually uh, tell us more of this. Um, then coming to your other comments on quarterly estimates, yes, uh, we cannot simply say that uh, uh, we need to look at uh, the estimates from the point of understanding the direction. Um, but uh, you know, for policy making, a lot of rates and ratios are very important. And if these rates and ratios are generated at more frequency level, then uh, the entire data system itself will become more robust. Now, considering that we need even absolute size of uh, 
GDP estimated at even at the sectoral level. We need that, right? Uh, now we are talking at the interval of three months, right? Uh, now uh, the question is whether they are reliable or not. Uh, I think this is not the forum to debate that issue. Yes, there are issues like I myself had highlighted in this presentation, uh, why the some of the lead indicators are uh, behaving, uh, moving in one direction, whereas the growth rate presented by NSO is moving in another direction based on some other estimates, right? So how do you tie up uh, this kind of uh, contrasting tendencies, which is seen in two different data sets? So this actually leads to uh, some kind of doubts over uh, appropriateness of the methodology used in the uh, estimates of G GSDP, uh, GDP. But then uh, we would actually uh, defer this discussion at the moment. But all that I can say is we need even absolute size. Whether we talk about uh, employment, uh, uh, number of persons employed, underemployed, etc., even on a quarterly basis, uh, we need some indication of that kind uh, if uh, they are given uh, using a very lean sample, I would still uh, adapt them, though with a truck of salt, if not pinch of salt, right? But still we need some numbers. We need them, right? So the whole idea is to, like what Rajeshwari had been saying, idea is uh, we our statistical system had been evolving and uh, we need to constantly improve the system. System means not only the methodology underlying uh, estimates at various levels, but also the data sources what we use, whether they are coming from public sector or private sector. So I would rather say that we need to look at uh, GDP numbers, employment numbers, output numbers in its totality, in its absolute size, not only to understand the direction, we need them, right? Because the policy functions on rates and ratios. And if they are there at a more frequent level, it is still the better. Now, comparing with the China, I wouldn't venture to do it. China has a different motive. I know there are uh, people who who make complaints. I mean, make comparison with the Chinese system of statistical system. But uh, for a moment, uh, being a student of India's statistical system and Indian economy, and having closely observed uh, and worked with people who closely worked in building up uh, Indian statistical system to its present day format. I wouldn't actually compare with the uh, uh, Chinese system at all, which has different motivation, right? Ours is still a welfare state, right? There may be some uh, issues of non, you know, release of certain uh, survey reports, but leave that apart. But still with, uh, you know, when uh, um, I'm sure PC, uh, Dr. Mohanan would uh, agree with me, you must have seen the way uh, he had been writing about uh, non-release of PLFS, first survey report, because that uh, provided some, uh, uh, you know, estimates which was contrary to the popular belief as to what, uh, how the, let us say, the government had performed. Ultimately, since we are welfare state, we need to evaluate the performance of the government using a lot of economic indicators. So we cannot uh, jettison the employment surveys just like that or uh, keeping to ourselves. But with this kind of public activism, government was forced to release it eventually. It happened and we had witnessed it, right? So the idea is to improve the methodology like what uh, uh, Rajeshwari had been saying, improve the data sets 
right um, and uh, enrich our statistical system i would actually move forward in that direction rather than you know um, um, uh, making a comparison with uh, some system which has a different motive. Ours is a welfare state. We need to strengthen our statistical system. Come, whatever be the uh, difficulties, whatever may be the problems we find, but still, like uh, public activism by some of these uh, writers, right? People who were once associated with the statistical itself, itself, right? Uh, how it forced the government to actually. Uh, you know, release the data. Now, this kind of things you cannot expect in a, a totalitarian system, right? Or a kind of system which is driven with the features of Chinese model of growth. We cannot have, right? So the idea is to improve. The questions we need to ask is whether ours is uh, better than China or not. No, no. Whether we are doing better than how we used to do in the past, right? I would rather put it that way. But I would like to hear more from Dr. Mohanan regarding this SDP and DDP, in case if he's there. Yes. I think... Uh, Mohanan, sir, would you like to? Okay, let me say a few things. Please. So, Ed uh, Johnman wanted me to look at the statistical system, but immediately after that, the pandemic came and then I had not moved out of my hometown. But let me say that, you know, whenever we have this kind of a crisis situation, uh, nobody can disagree about the importance of data. If you want to manage any crisis, you need as much data as possible. But the current crisis has hit the data collection like any other sector. And uh, real field-level data collection has been totally lacking for the last year or since last uh, April. What we have is only some kind of you know, short surveys or based on telephonic and other things. So this is a real crisis for the statistical system uh, that we do not really have data from the field, especially on the unorganized sector. And the statistical system basically depends on certain established you know, sources, whether it is for the IIP or the CPI or the MLPA or anything, because they have to be consistent, you know, they cannot produce one set of figures for a month and then uh, in the methodology and produce another set of figures. So for this consistency uh, re reason only, they have to follow a standardized procedure. That is what the CSO has been doing, depending on the same sources. But what Denis uh, said is good, at least the transparency is something which has improved in terms of the reporting. But they never used to come out and say how much uh, is the reporting kind of thing. And then uh, the statistical system also lacks certain flexibility. Now, that is very clear in this kind of a crisis situation of pandemic. What you need is a more flexible system where you can think of innovative methods and put data. That unfortunately has been missing. Uh, for example, uh, what Dennis told about the Kerala state economy, in the last May or June, I was asked to give an estimate of the economic loss due to the pandemic and lockdown, basically the lockdown at that time, because we did not imagine the pandemic to continue. So when I looked at the data, uh, the state people, they didn't have any quarterly figures. You know, the state uh, people don't produce any quarterly figures. They produce only the state domestic product, uh, an estimate for the state government, unlike the central thing. So when I wanted to do a quarterly uh, loss estimate, we didn't have really anything. 
So initially, I tried to do it by looking at the employment share and then looking at the employment data from CMI and what sectors are losing the employment. And then also the sector, assuming that certain sectors like the health, the government, and all will work all right. Uh, we produced something like I produced a figure of around 78,000 crores in the first quarter. That would be the economic loss in value addition. But then later on, I wanted to slightly improve it. Then I told the state people to do a very quick survey for me uh, about the unorganized sector. So I suggested that they take the last NSS survey, that is 2015-16 unorganized sector survey, take out the same schedule, I mean, the list of enterprises they made it, and revisit the enterprises to see how they perform during these uh, four or five months. And that did that, and I used some of those estimates from that very quick survey uh, to adjust my initial estimate to about the economic loss, both in terms of employment loss as well as the uh, income loss for this unorganized. And that is how Denise some figure, you, know, you said about some figure which uh, Thomas Isaac mentioned in the budget. This was how the loss was estimated for the first two quarters based on a very quick uh, survey of about 1,500 unorganized enterprises. The remaining we took this. Uh, but the fact is that the state the statistical system, they don't produce any of these IIPs or the price index, uh, or even if they produce it, nobody looks at that. So we don't know. The last one year, I don't want, uh, I don't even really know what kind of work they have been doing except producing this official data. Now, the reliance on the MIS is also another issue. I just also mentioned about that is we need to look at alternative sources. But the MIS is also, most of the time, it is more of a publicity tool, I would say, because there was a health, health management information system, HMIS, which was launched last year with a lot of unfair. In fact, it was there for 10 years back, but last year, again, they revamped and all that. But uh, I haven't seen the HMIS coming to any help uh, during this health crisis that we are now facing. Uh, so most of these uh, dashboards that come out with uh, very little references and the dashboard figures keep changing as you look at that. You don't even know for which gate it refers to. Uh, I had a recent experience with the gel Jeevan mission when I was looking at some data. So some of these MIS and that place, as Dennis also mentioned, we do not know the background. We do not know the basis, the base on which they are built. Uh, in fact, the DICE mentioned initially they had only the reporting schools. So as the report number of schools reporting increases, uh, the attendance rate also increases. So these things uh, need to be more clarified when we are using the MIS. Uh, too much reliance on this uh, MIS or the app-based data collection system as it's some problem for the national statistical system. I mean, they may be useful for immediate publicity or immediate uh, problem solving, but uh, using them for producing reliable and consistent uh, numbers for the economy, we need to be more careful about. But all said and done, uh, what Rajeshwari rightly said is that we have to invest a lot of resources. In fact, statistical system is one area where resources has been very, very, <coughs> has been declining over the years. Uh, we have the same manpower which we used to have uh, 30, 40 years back. And because of the bureaucratic system, there are rigidities built into the system. So uh, a methodology of using both the private sector initiative as well as the official system is what is required. But that has not been happening uh, at all. Uh, earlier, or even now, the private sector uh, data are not taken very seriously by the government officials. And all said and done, 
the statistical system has not been, you know, does not have the kind of autonomy or independence currently that we have. For example, the US, they conducted the census last year, in spite of the pandemic and all that, they did a census of the US uh, population. It started, I think, in April or May last year, and they had uh, two or three, uh, three stages rather to finish this. Uh, and by December, they had completed the census. But we, we can't do that kind of thing. We have, we have no way with the methodology we follow. So this is all uh, the uh, issue of resources is one thing which I need all of us to let me argue with the government. And at least once the pandemic is over, I think time for a very serious look at the data collecting system that we have, or at least that we need to build up for the country. I think it's a very important topic Arjun you selected, but it's something on which you know we can talk on and on. And I must thank Dennis because he has very carefully looked at these uh, three important uh, micro statistics, especially in terms of the uh, data coverage and the changes in different revisions. So I must thank you for doing that. Let me thank Dennis and also for Ajay bringing out some very good points. Thank you. Sure, sure. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. And uh, uh, it, it's been a while. And uh, really, sir, it's it's the topic that we should, you know, keep on discussing. But really, the point of investment in our system and also making it open remains the challenge, I would say, for this decade. More prominently, US, China, all has somehow able to complete their census. And now, as the cases are going forward, it's really we will have to see what we can do. And as sir was mentioning about the MIS data for migrants also for skill, time and again we are having data, but somehow credibility or consistency, there is something, some glue uh, which is lacking. In fact, even the official stats or private stats, we are not so sure of that how to uh, go forward. So uh, uh, thank you everyone. And for last word, we'll just go to uh, Dennis sir. Sir, if you have any way forward, just on the topic, then I can propose a vote of thanks. Or Rajeshwari, ma'am, would you also like to add something on? Okay, Dennis, sir, your your final word. Please unmute. Yes, I think you. I have spoken enough. Thank you so much. I think yes. we will have more uh, platforms created by you where we can exchange your views. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, sir. So let me just quickly propose a vote of thanks for this very uh, interesting and insightful lecture, and on such a short notice. We have been trying to do it for quite a few months. And we, I'm very thankful that Dennis, sir, uh, really we try to be able to do it despite the, everyone being affected in this Corona times. So uh, for this series, the state of statistics has tagged data discourses and this special lecture evaluating Indian macroeconomic statistical system, data trends, challenges for evidence and impact and amid COVID-19. Uh, we just thought to have this focus from Dennis sir, so we're very thankful that Dennis sir really took it up and made a, a very extensive presentation looking into the recent data. So uh, thank you, uh, Dr. J. Dennis Rajakumar sir for delivering this special lecture. I'm also very much thankful to Rajeshwari Singh Gupta ma'am from IGIDR for adding uh, so many plethora of points uh, as discussing for this very enriching deliberation and to all other participants also, those who are also not able to join. And uh, we are also very much thankful to PC Monan sir and uh, hope for his uh, uh, recovery very soon and for his uh, overall guidance and also for this series uh, so that we come to solution and 
engage uh, more so of uh, those who are interested in this topic to learn more and enlighten ourselves. Uh, thank you very much and have a nice evening. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night.